Let's talk soccer. Not that Super League false alarm stuff. We're talking Dallas soccer today on the mic drop. We have breaking news regarding CONCACAF selecting Dallas-Fort Worth as a hub city for this summer's tournament. Is this a golden opportunity to show FIFA why Dallas is a perfect host city for the 2026 World Cup? Monica and I discuss. We're also joined by FC Dallas Technical Director Andre Zanota, who will help us preview the 2021 MLS season and what to expect from our lads up at Toyota Stadium. But first, Basketball Hall of Famer Nancy Lieberman steps by to talk Luca, Kobe, Ice Cube, and how she believes we'll see a woman head coach in the NBA sooner rather than later. Finally, we go on the power play with Dallas Morning News NHL beat writer and reality show buff Matt DeFranks to talk about the Red Hot Stars and what he's been downloading between all these overtime games this season. So let's drop the needle and let's go. Welcome to the Mike Drop Podcast. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by my co-host, Monica Paul, the executive director of the Dallas Sports Commission, and our next level intern, Marcus Carr. Monica and Marcus, this is episode number 10. I didn't know if we were going to get to episode number one or two. We made it to 10. So I'm dedicating my performance today to my favorite number 10, Dorian Finney-Smith of our Dallas Mavericks. We've had a great run here. We're still figuring this thing out. Jeff Van Gundy, Vern Lundquist, Kurt Menefee have joined us, Jalen Smith of the Cowboys, the great Abner Haynes, Rolando Blackman, Marty Turco of the Stars, sports business types, Deidre DeLilly from Toyota, George Killebrew, Andy Swift, Jason Howarth from Panini, Brian Truby, who designed Global Life Field. We love talking sports business. Brad Alberts, the president of the Stars, Sean Decker, who runs uh, stadium stuff for the, for the Rangers. So we're off to a pretty good start. I mean, what do you think, Monica? What, what, uh, how are you feeling about this uh, now that we hit this major milestone of our 10th episode? Well, Sully, I, I agree. I didn't think we were going to make it to 10 either after uh, I, our first few trial runs. And I think it's going to be interesting one day when they surprise us with our blooper reels of uh, our first performance. But I think we've come a long way. I'm excited about the future guests that we have uh, coming on. I think we've received a lot of great feedback and uh, really excited to continue to get this uh, podcast established here in the DFW area. I think uh, uh, we talk about a lot of good topics and uh, it's really beneficial for us from a sports commission standpoint uh, to create some awareness here and uh, educate some of uh, our listeners and our fans, not only in the DFW area, but uh, nationally. And I hear we have some international guests that uh, uh, join us or listen to us. Uh, on all the great sporting events uh, and business coming to the DFW area. Marcus, who's your favorite guest been? So far, I'm going to throw it back to uh, episode number one with Jeff Van Gundy. It was awesome hearing him talk about Luca and Dirk and the comp of, you know, passing the torch here in Dallas. And also, good note, Ted Lasso season two is now out. So everybody go check that out for what are you downloading. (laughs) Yeah, Van Gundy was the first of multiple guests who have referenced Ted Lasso in our very popular What Are You Downloading segment, which we which we close the show with each week. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to pick a favorite, but I, I wish Monica would not have mentioned the idea of a blooper reel, because I know that Tony Faye has that lurking somewhere in the background, and that, that does keep me up at night. And 
you know, someday there'll be a director's cut maybe in the lost episode starring Babe Laufenberg that we recorded and never saw the light of day may show up. So, so that uh, we've got that to look forward to. Monica, what's going on at the Sports Commission this week? Well, we have we have a big week, uh, big announcement today. Uh, Concacaf coming out with their host cities and host venues for the Gold Cup. Uh, they had to pivot a little bit with the pandemic uh, in terms of what they are originally uh, planning. So, uh, big news for us in that uh, AT and T Stadium, Cotton Bowl Stadium, and Toyota Stadium all selected as venues. We'll have eight matches here international soccer. So it's great for us to really uh, highlight that and uh, for us we're kind of considering it to be a mini world cup uh, if you will a, a, a trial run for us and it couldn't come at a better time with uh, fifa us in the middle of our world cup 2026 bid uh, us anticipating fifa coming to town uh, to do site visits uh, we're possibly you know that could possibly take place in july while we're ho while we're hosting this gold cup um, but, uh, you know, th these, this is our premier venue. These are our base camps and training venues that we're proposing um, to FIFA for, for 2026. So it, it truly is a, a trial run. And I think we'll be able to really showcase all of our assets from transportation systems to accommodations to incorporating some of our human rights plan into, into what's going on there. So really big news there and exciting to see that uh, sports is really coming back and coming back strong here in the DFW area um, and and you know we don't while we don't know capacities yet we really truly are hoping that uh, we're gonna nudge up there to the 75 to 100 uh, percent capacities and let's see what else um, well we're gonna be going into our third week of volleyball at the convention center which is very very exciting uh, following that up with a few more weeks of uh, youth volleyball and some basketball youth soccer is coming back strong uh, and then really following uh, some legislative session uh, uh, stuff over in Austin as we continue through uh, this session through through the end of May. A lot of things that uh, could possibly affect the, the sports world and the sports industry. Well, congr yeah, congratulations on the CONCACAF announcement. That sounds like a mic drop moment to me. That, that, that is a big deal. And I know it does mean a lot for the, for the World Cup bid. So way, way to go on that. Now, you, you mentioned that you know, things changed during the pandemic. Things changed a little bit for you during the pandemic too. And when you had a little extra time with during that period of time when events were shut down, you wouldn't get your real estate license. Now I know you're fully devoted to the sports commission, which is a, we may doze, but we never close kind of situation, <laughs> but you've gotten, you know, real estate in Dallas is a contact sport. So tell us about what you're doing there. Yes. The real estate market here in Dallas is uh, booming, but uh, yes, during COVID I was, kind of sitting on my back porch out at the lake. And uh, I realized in June that uh, while, while, while I hoped that uh, COVID was going to be over in July and August and our life was going to continue and or get back to normal and sports were going to get back up and running, I realized that's not the case. And I found myself with, uh, instead of going to events every evening or on the weekends, I found myself with a lot of time. And uh, real estate was something that's always intrigued me that I really uh, am kind of passionate about. And I'd... Uh, tried to study and get my license, um, I don't know, eight or so years before, uh, but I just didn't have the time because my weekends were taken up with, uh, with work and going to events. So I dedicated some time and uh, researched the, the best online classes in school and 
uh, spent the next three months uh, on on those evenings studying, and I was able to get my license in, in November. So it's uh, definitely not something that I can devote full-time, but uh, it, it does uh, kind of give me something to do on, on some weekends, and I'm really having uh, some, some fun with it. So, yeah, in DFW, I don't know if we could be in a better market uh, right now from a real estate standpoint. It is, uh, you've got to be real quick uh, in terms of, uh, especially when you're working with buyers to, to get them the best deal or get them, get them the option to, to get a house. You know, here at the mic drop, we're, we're Bill Simmons fans. And I know he, he dabbles in flipping houses in Southern California and some real estate. So maybe there's something to this, you know, podcaster real estate thing. Well, it, you know, to put those two names together, you know, uh, I'm like, okay, you give me something to aspire to. Uh, so, uh, but uh, it's fun. And, and one of the things I really like is uh, helping first time home buyers. That's been a, a great experience for me as well. Uh, trying to educate some of uh, those who haven't gone through this process before and uh, helping them get into their first home uh, with it, with their family. So I really uh, I enjoy that part. You know, as we as we celebrate our, our this major milestone of our tenth episode, I, I, I'm reminded of uh, and thinking about Bill Simmons, who, who I enjoy a great deal. I'm reminded during my my days at NBC uh, in communications, of course, everybody who works the, there who doesn't work as on air talent would always say, "In my next life, I want to come back as talent." <laughs> so I've gotten to be talent on this on this podcast, which has been. And I'm a total amateur when it comes to being on-air talent, so I'm kidding. But it's been fun to to really do this with you and Marcus and and Tony and Krista and the crew. And here's to uh, 110 more and be and, and beyond. So 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 good deal. Uh, we got a great show today. We'll we'll be back with uh, Nancy Lieberman. But first, a word from Rachel with uh, a message from one of our sponsors. Hey, are you tired of nights in binge watching your spouse's or quarantine partner's favorite shows or waiting for the delivery service to bring you a lukewarm meal? Let's bring hot dogs and cold brews back. How? Hockey is back. That's right, your Dallas Stars, remember them? Western Conference champs last year? Well, they're back and they're bringing the heat to the AAC ice while on their quest to bring the Stanley Cup back to Dallas. And the best part, fans are welcome. Yep, dreams come true. So visit DallasStars.com today for all the best ticket deals and schedule information. What a joy it is to be joined by Nancy Lieberman. I don't know where to begin. Pioneer in women's basketball from Old Dominion to the Olympics, WNBA. Pioneer as an executive uh, in sports as a woman with the Detroit Shock. Pioneer as a coach, head coach of the Dallas Legends of the G League. Only the second woman to be an assistant coach of an NBA team with the Sacramento Kings. Pioneer is a broadcaster. We could go on and on. But where Nancy Lieberman quite possibly has had her biggest impact is in philanthropy and, and looking out for those who are less fortunate. Uh, we're going to get to the Mavericks and the Wings, Nancy. But first, you came here in 1980, like me, for the Dallas Diamonds. I came for the Mavericks. When I would tell people I worked for the Mavericks, they asked me if that was women's basketball. So you were more famous than the Mavericks in 1980. Uh, you came in 1980, 41 years ago, and stayed, and have had this enormous impact in the community. Why? 
Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't by uh, design. I, I came here to play basketball because that's what made me feel good about myself. It gave me a chance to go to that next phase of my career, which is to be a professional athlete. Uh, quite frankly, I needed the money because, uh, you know, I grew up, I didn't have a lot. Um, then going to college, you're just scrimping by as a, as a collegiate athlete, even a champion athlete. And so Dallas changed my trajectory. Uh, and I'm very grateful to, to Dave Olmstead, who was the, the president of the Dallas Diamonds, to signing me, um, to giving me just a, a little pocket money, if you will, and, and just to grow as a human being. So basketball, I was laser focused on, on trying to be a great basketball player and trying to win a championship for my team. And all these years later, the, your impact on the philanthropy side is incredible. The, we've got the, the 10th anniversary of the Dream Gala coming up on April 29th. Uh, NancyLiebermanCharities.org people, so go, go sign up. Uh, the mic drop, by the way, Nancy, made a donation this morning to sponsor two kids uh, at your upcoming uh, summer basketball camps that you and TJ do. So, so people, you got to support NancyLiebermanCharities.org. She does incredible work. So tell us about the Dream Ball coming, coming up on April 29th. You raised over a million dollars last year. It's virtual this year, but tell, tell us what you hope to accomplish this year. Well, we were lucky last year because we were able uh, February 17th to, to have our Dream Ball Gala in person with, you know, six, 700 uh, people there and, and raise money. We raise money to give money. That's just what we do. And we, we give it to the underserved community. Um, as you know, we, we've sent 70 high school seniors to college. We stay in touch with them. We help write resumes. We network them to jobs. Uh, they have to give us, they have to have skin in the game connect them to mentors in their respective, you know, college cities. And they have my cell and my email and they have to stay in touch with me. Uh, that's part of the deal. Uh, the other thing is we're now embarking on opening uh, our 98th dream court around the country. We have over 4.2 million children on our courts. And I'm going to get to your question about the, the virtual event on the 29th. But for us, you know, we started doing these uh, dream courts because that was a safe place for me growing up. You could no longer make fun of me, bully me, um, disparage me as a, a girl playing against young men, you know, predominantly black guys. So our courts were a melting pot of bringing people from, you know, different elks of life together. Over the last 10 years, it's become pop-up classrooms, because we've added STEM, we've added financial literacy, we've added a civic engagement and career readiness. We, we now offer programs to our Dream Court sites. And you know, the Boys and Girls Clubs, PAL, Park and Rec, they always need programming. We offer that to them for free. Uh, our Kids and Cops program, uh, we've done over 40 courts trying to unite uh, communities, children with local law enforcement. Uh, in love and kindness, respect. So we're doing a lot with, uh, you know, like I said, career readiness. So why is this so important? We are going to have a physical dream ball September 11th and our golf tournament on September 13th. But 
we we moved the date because you know we we wanted to make sure with COVID and the pandemic that we could safely, following protocol, you know, put people in the building that we love and care about. We didn't want to lose sight of our friends. You know, we're only as good as the people who donate to us. And, and thank you for what you did uh, last night as well. So we decided we were going to do a virtual event. So on Thursday, the 29th, this is going to be the pregame, okay, leading up to the game. I love the game, okay, because the game is where we win, and we win in life, and we win by helping others who need us. So we are going to do, we have a VIP. Uh, it's hosted by uh, Jay Harris from ESPN Sports Center, my, my brother from Old Dominion. And uh, Jay and I are going to do a VIP half-hour show. Uh, to our you know big sponsors and donors and then we're going to do a main show from six uh to seven it's going to be fun it's going to be fast it's go you're going to laugh you're going to smile you're going to see the kids you're going to see some of the celebrities who have been a part of us in the past from tony romo to the legendary singer uh sam moore to bo derrick uh, billy crystal winona judd toby keith uh, Deion Sanders, Ralph Sampson, Ice Cube, my boss, the big three. So you're going to see some really fun stuff going on. Then we have some special guests that are, are going to um, uh, appear. And we're really excited about that. And that will, uh, that will be a touch point of hopefully happiness. It'll make, like I said, people smile. I see the clips of some of the folks uh, that have uh, affected the lives of young people. These kids going to college, these kids who, who have backpacks with school supplies for a year, uh, the kids that we've given over 2,000 iPads to, they're just our family. And the other part of my hype here, thanks for letting me hype my charity, but 92% of all money raised goes to programming. 8% goes to administrative uh, cost. It's a business. Charities are businesses. You got to have people running them. So on some level, we have to, you know, do that. But 92%, that that to me is what makes me most proud that we we really are, you know, we're, we're we understand what the goal is. And the goal is to take money that people have entrusted us with and give it to people who need it. I just wish you could get some big names to uh, to help you out with uh, with this. Every year, the 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 best college point guard wins the Nancy Lieberman Award. What would it mean to you if a girl, a young girl who started on one of your dream courts, ended up being presented the Nancy Lieberman Award as the best college point guard? That's a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, that would make me really happy because it would bear out that a, a young girl playing in sports, you know, before she gets to junior high, there's 80%, you know, less likely chance of having unwanted pregnancies, getting involved in, in gang activity or drugs or alcohol. That would say that sports has put you on the right trajectory for education, for networking, uh, to excel, exceed. And um, I would love to have that moment to give somebody a, a hug who came off of our courts. And it's funny you said that because many years ago, uh, Andrea Riley, you know, you probably know Andrea as an All-American at Oklahoma State, first round pick of the LA Sparks and the WNBA. 
When I got here in 1980, when you got here, her dad is Roosevelt Riley. You know Rosie, who's Jerry Jones's bodyguard, oh, wow. and that's right. his wow. daughter. So I've known her since. Well, I knew her, you know, when she was born, and held her, and I made a pinky bet with her. I don't know if this is fair, but we made a pinky bet going into her senior year that she was going to win. Uh, and I don't vote. Let me just say that, uh, just in case Tony Tony Faye is on this call. Uh, <laughs> I didn't slide it or slant it uh, her way. But Andrea Riley ended up winning the Point Guard of the Year Award. And it was one of the most incredible moments. I think we both had tears in our eyes handing her that award because I had known her her whole life. So yeah, it, they, they would be spectacular. It would be so blessed to be able to give that award uh, to someone who came off a dream court. So Nancy, before we get to uh, some questions on the Mavs and getting your perspective on the, on the rest of the season, I just really want to thank you uh, for everything that you've done, the ambassador that you are for us, for women's final four, helping us to get that here in seven 2017 and 2023 again. And uh, the, the courts that uh, you dedicated during that event, the men's final four, what you're doing for Dallas Parks and Rec. So I just really wanted to have a chance to thank you for that. Uh, th thank you, Monica. Uh, you know, with that uh, 2017, I believe, um, I can remember it was about six in the morning, seven in the morning, and yep. uh, my phone rang and I look at it and it was Coach Carlisle. He yep. goes, Nancy, I go, what? He goes, get down here. Get up we have to have you down for this meeting it's down to like what was it uh, the, like the final three or four yep. cities yep a few cities he goes you need to get down there to the aac with me right now so i went down and yeah you know as we're talking he's and obviously i knew you guys uh, the city was you know mm -hmm. bidding for this and i said well who's here and you know he said well you know the people from the you know ncaa you know committee and I said, is Anuka here? I said, is Nuke here? And he goes, Nuke. I said, yeah, Nuka Brown Sanders. And he goes, how do you know her? I said, I'm her mentor. I've known her since she was 17 when, you know, I went into Brooklyn and started mentoring her. And we've been lifelong friends. And then, you know, everybody was there and Anuka was there. And I'm, I was thrilled that they picked us in Dallas. Yep. And uh, I think we have a special opportunity coming in 2023 as well to be able to celebrate uh 50th anniversary of of title nine and not just the division one but the division two and three championships so i think we can do something special for for women for women's sports for for basketball so really excited about that opportunity coming up well i'm your teammate so whenever you're ready for me uh to help in any way that i possibly can just count me in absolutely so um, we're going to switch a little to the maps. So they're closing in on Portland uh, for the last guaranteed playoff spot. Uh, they made it a little bit hard on their on themselves. What do you kind of see the rest of the way for our maps? Well, the maps are pretty unbelievable. You know, I do the TV for the Oklahoma City Thunder, but I always have uh, my eye on the on the Dallas Mavericks because I uh, even though I do TV, you know, for, for OKC. I, I'm a maverick for life. I, I, I just love what uh, Mr. Carter did to bring this team here. And I love what uh, Mark Cuban has done and certainly Donnie and, and Rick. So in the West, I call the West very fragile. Actually, the West needs Dr. Phil to work with each and every team <laughs> because uh, on one particular day, it, it could be the Mavs, you know, winning nine out of 11 games. And then they 
dropping games to teams they're supposed to win. And uh, I know last night was was a big win. And Portland right now, Portland is in the toilet. They they lost three of their last ten games. And I was about to text, uh, you know, L- uh, Dame Lillard, who's a friend of mine, and go, "What is going on?" Because they got C.J. McCollum back and. Nurkic, and, and they're a really good team. And Terry Stotts was part of that championship team here in 2011 with the Mavs. Uh, I do think they have got to take care of business. You do not want to be in that seven through 11 spot in the play in the plans, because then seven's going to play eight and then nine's going to play 10. And then the winners, you know, uh, the winner of seven, eight will, will get that seven spot. But now you're leaving it up to fate. It's like the NCAA tournament. It's going to be a one and done. And so I, I, th- I really think the Mavs have got to just – their defense has to get better. When they were on that winning streak, their defense was exceptional. And, and Rick – go pull clips. Rip's, Rick Carlisle says the defense fuels the offense. And they, they have to play better defensively and rebound better. So if you're, you're coaching against uh, the Mavs, how do you contain Luka? What's, what's your scouting report there? My scouting report would be like every other team in the league. I would force him to go right because when he goes right and the ball's in his right hand, he's dribbling, he's driving to the basket, and then he's going to put his counter moves on you, which he's amazing at. (laughs) When you let him go left and he gives you that step back, I I don't know if there's anybody in the history of the game who who has his range, uh, who can knock down those, you know, pressure shots, you know, certainly there's Curry and Lillard who have incredible range, but Luca is special. And I would make him, I would force him to go right and beat me going right or give up the ball. I think he had 19 assists the other night um, when they lost, but I believe that he has to be, uh, he has to score and, and Kristaps has to continue to play well and he needs to get the ball in the fourth quarter. And sometimes he does not. Well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pay attention to that going right here on the, the next few games. So, uh, let's talk uh, our our Dallas Wings, uh, the WNBA draft, the top two picks. Um, I, you know, I kind of liked one of their picks as uh, my Longhorn uh, girl, but just want to get your perspective on how did the Wings do in their in their draft selection? What does that add to their team? Well, let me say, Vicky Johnson, who's the new head coach of the team, played in college, also was a great player in college, played for the New York Liberty, uh, just exceptional basketball mind. Uh, she knows this league, you know, intimately inside and out. So to get the first two picks, you know, you have a, a you know, you get a great big, you're, you know, there's yeah. your horn okay. sign. We don't, we don't have anything like that at all. <laughs> um, but we do have three banners in the rafters, so. Can't complain about no. that. Uh, you know, Arike is uh, unbelievable. Uh, I, you know, the Wings have underachieved the last two years. You know, I thought they were really on a trajectory to do well. And they bring in Brian Agler. And unfortunately, they just didn't do uh, what they were supposed to. They play in a beautiful venue. Uh, this is a, a very cool team, a great franchise. Look, I'm a season ticket holder. Our charity is a season ticket holder, and we we, uh, bring kids to go to the games. I think that they're going to be right in the mix of the playoffs this year. Uh, You don't win with youth. You win with veterans, but you have to have young people in the mix. They're very vital, and it has to be a brilliant balance 
of young people, pushing old people, older veterans, understanding uh, the game. But I like what we have. I will be out there watching them play and rooting for them. Nancy, before we let you go, you had an experience as an assistant coach with the Sacramento Kings, second woman uh, to be on an NBA bench following, of course, Becky Hammond with the Spurs. Will Becky be the first woman to be the head coach of an NBA team, if not her, who? And when do you think that will happen? I think it's going to happen sooner than later. Uh, I'm really proud of Becky and what she's done. I believe this is year seven that she's been uh, in the league. You know, she's she's the first assistant, uh, assistant to Coach Popovich. She's done everything humanly possible, paid her dues, been in the grind, the players, great inter, you know, personal skills with uh, the players. I do think she will have every opportunity uh, to be the first head coach in the NBA. There are some other, you know, great women now. There's nine uh, coaches, assistant coaches in the league and player development coaches. Uh, Rick said it best a long time ago, maybe three, four years ago. He goes, you know, these gals, they're, they're coming for these jobs. They're very good. They're talented. They know how to win. And it's very competitive because the assistant coaches in the NBA, the, the men, they know, they know their stuff. They're excellent. They have tremendous experience. But now we're getting into that boys club. And when the boss says he'd like to see it sooner than later, and that's Adam Silver, the greatest commissioner in sports. When this man says he'd like to see it, I believe that it's going to filter down and, and there will be an opportunity. Uh, it is, it is, uh, it's not as simple as what I'm saying because owners have to make their own decisions. But, I, I, you know, if women can run, you know, we have a, a woman vice president of the United States. Uh, we, we have f female CEOs. Uh, we have sent Marshall with the Dallas Mavericks. Why can't you have a female uh, head coach? I mean, it, it's like what Ice Cube has done for me in the big three to allow me to have that first chair. And by the grace of God, we won the championship in 2018. And I was coach of the year. And one of the things that our players routinely said was, you know, a woman can do anything a man can do given the opportunity. And, and that's all we need right now. Becky won summer league her first year. There's a lot of bright minds out there and we have to be open-minded to change. We're in that culture right now. We're seeing it every day. And people want uh, equality, inclusion and opportunity. That's what I do every single day. You know, that's half of what I talk about every day to corporate America. Well, Nancy, thanks so much for, for joining us. Love your, your energy, love all that you do in the community. Don't forget, everybody, nancylibermancharities.org. The virtual gala is April 29th. In-person Dream Ball Gala, September 11th, and the golf outing, September 13th. The virtual gala, there's some Ice Cube and some other big names. It's going to be entertaining and for a good cause. So thanks again, Nancy, for joining us, and all the best on April 29th for another huge success for the community. Well, uh, Kevin, thank you. I do want to say this before I leave. We have a special uh, auction experience. Uh, the class of 2020, Kobe Bryant, late Kobe Bryant, uh, Tim Duncan, uh, Kevin Garnett, uh, Tamika Catchings, and more will be enshrined the 13th and 14th of May in Springfield. And we're auctioning, I can take a guest with me, and we're auctioning that slot off to somebody who is 
wow. you know, Kobe was a great friend of mine. Um, as you probably know, my son TJ thought I was on the helicopter that day because I had been talking to Kobe the night before and we had planned on me coming out to California on that Wednesday to coach Deanna's team. Um, it, you know, if somebody just loves Cobes, wants a behind the scenes of what it's like for enshrinement with this illustrious class, uh, just let us know, bid on it. The, 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 you'll have a great experience that you couldn't buy in a normal setting. You'll go with me, we'll have a great time. You'll get to meet all the Hall of Famers. And this is truly 2020 is going to be uh, the class of 2020 is exceptional. No doubt about it. So that's nancylibermancharities.org for that incredible experience to go with a Hall of Famer to experience the enshrinement of the class of 2020, including Kobe. So thanks again, Nancy, for being on the mic drop. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Dallas is known for its big wins when it comes to sporting events, whether it be Final Fours, Winter Classics, Pro Drafts, or even international soccer matches. Dallas sets the standard. And now it's time for our biggest win yet. We want the 2026 World Cup. The Dallas Sports Commission is working hard to bring the World Cup back to our great city, and we need your help. Head over to DallasWorldCup2026.com to sign the pledge to bring it back. Be sure to follow us on all social media at World Cup Dallas to stay up to date on all things 2026 World Cup. Thanks, Rachel. It's now our pleasure to be joined by Andre Zenota, the technical director of FC Dallas. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's sort of like being the general manager. He's the chief soccer officer representing the FC Dallas on all matters related to what happens on the field. Uh, a noted player development expert from his time in Brazil and all around the soccer world. Andre, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, share some some soccer uh, in the next minutes. So I'm very happy to be part of the, the show. So Andre, it's 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 soccer season. Uh, you've got one uh, regular season game under your belt. Uh, what are you most excited about? Uh, what are you expecting to see this season? Uh, well, we always expect uh, to uh, have to reach higher than we did the, the years before. So uh, we had a very good season last year, even though uh, as as all the difficulties we had with uh, as long as any other team in in the world, actually. Uh, but I think we 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 had a strong team. We we reached the conference semifinals, and uh, we believe we can go even further this year. So we we didn't have the start that we won the first game. Uh, we wanted the three points playing at home. We always wanted to win. Uh, it was not possible. So now we have this upcoming game, uh, away game against San Jose, and uh, and and we need to get uh, we get the points there. So uh, I'm I'm excited. I think we we had some good additions, some good players uh, with our team this year, and 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 I feel our roster is is, is even stronger than it was last year. So, Andre, uh, you're known for helping to engineer the biggest transfers in, in soccer. Uh, what do you think is the biggest deal you've done? I, I think a lot of people don't understand uh, how deals are done and, and, and that sort of thing. So what's what do you think the biggest deal you've done? Uh, so, yeah, I've been involved in quite a few uh, deals, transfers. Uh, uh, the most, obviously, the well, the, the, the one that, it's got the most attention, obviously, is Neymar moving from Santos to Barcelona. 
in 2013. I was uh, the sporting director in Santos, just just starting. Actually, I was I was young and I was assistant sporting director, and then I became sporting director right at that time. And uh, we, I had quite a few transfers at the time. Santos Santos is one of the top academies in Brazil, and uh, and, and produce uh, so many good players. Uh, and, and Neymar is one of the top ones in, in, in the history of the club, along with uh, Pelé, for example. So Neymar was a big one. Uh, and uh, and then uh, when I was in Grêmio, uh, coincidentally to the same club, uh, I, I was involved in the transfer of Artur to Barcelona as well. So this was another, it's the, the record uh, transfer of the history of Gremio as well. So it, it was two two of the biggest transfers in terms of the uh, the numbers involved, uh, the clubs that, uh, that that brought the player that by bought the player, and uh, but still uh, I was involved in many others. See here in FC Dallas for us, the the transfer of Brian Reynolds to Roma was also very big deal, and um, I'm very proud to see. Players reaching their dreams, uh, they, they want to play in Europe, they want to play the top clubs in Europe. And uh, when you see those things happening uh, and also being a good deal, important deal for the clubs that I was part of, it's, 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 very, it's very nice. So it's, it's something that, that uh, I, I enjoy being part of those transfers. And, and, and so it's, let's see the, the, who, who's the next one. <laughs> yes, I think you're always looking for that next one. Um, you know, I, th I think it's, uh, we're in football country, you know, uh, but we're talking football today and, uh, uh, the, the trade in, in soccer is a little bit different than what we see in football or any other, uh, major league sport. Give us an idea of, you know, how does it, how does it work? How does it, uh, affect the bottom line maybe a, a little bit better than, uh, uh, what we see in other traditional, uh, professional leagues? Yeah, so yeah, I, I I noticed when when I was speaking to my neighbors last year and uh, trying to trying to explain to them how it works those this transfer market in soccer, such a global sport, and uh, you can transfer a player to Japan, you can transfer a player to South America, to Eastern Europe, uh, to Russia. You can uh, there's so many options that a player can be transferred, and 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 I felt that would. They, they had a hard time to understand like the this buying and selling players buying and selling a person it's kind of it's I, I, I it, yeah I'm so used to that because where, where I come from and and I see those the, in, in, in especially here in the US who, the people that don't follow soccer so much and uh, have a hard time to understand how this this market works but it's been like this for for a while you have Neymar was uh, just to use the same example as he was later transferred from Barcelona to PSG for more than 200 million euros. So just to show an example how crazy this is, and um, so it's it's there's uh, so in soccer there's obviously the, the uh, an entity that uh, establishes the how the transfer market will work, and, and it's FIFA. FIFA is the the, the Federation, International Federation that uh, controls soccer all over the world and they establish the rules for, for transfers, how you cannot transfer a minor, for example, you cannot, the player cannot be internationally transferred. If he's under 18, there are some exemptions, but 
that's the general rule. Um, the number of years in the contract you, you can sign with a player. And uh, here, here in the US, this is something I had to adapt. Now I'm, I'm going to my third season with FC Dallas. I made some trades um, in, in the, in, within the MLS uh, teams. You can, you can trade players. You can trade players for money, for allocation money. That's how we, we call it here uh, within the MLS club. So you can trade. There was recently, uh, a couple of days ago, was announced the, the trade uh, of uh, Cincinnati and, and New York Red Bulls over one uh, American player, Frank Amaya, for 950000 uh this allocation money. But it, I, I traded players for international sports, for, for international spot, for draft picks, for um, allocation money. So you can, there are different assets that you can trade for, for players or you can just trade as, as assets. Uh, like we did, we bought an international international spot. Just to be clear to who's listening to us, we have a limit numbers of, of foreign players that can play in each team. Uh, so each club uh, initially uh, has uh, uh, eight international spots, but you can trade and you can have more. So now we have ten, for example, uh, international spots right now in FC Dallas. So other clubs uh, will have less. Uh, when we traded with Colorado, Colorado has seven now when we had nine and then we got a, a spot from Toronto. So this is pretty much how the, the trade market works here and, and the transfer market works everywhere else in the world. Andre, we know that FC, the FC Dallas Academy is among the very best in the, in the MLS. Talk about the, the importance as you build the team of homegrown talent and also the talent pool that you have here in North Texas to, to draw from. Yeah, so this is something that uh, where, I, where I come from, um, Brazil is the place that exports more players all over the world and, and produces so much talent. And, and I worked in two of the top academies in, in Brazil. And coming here, one of the first questions I was asked was uh, what my, my, my feeling was about the, the American players that we were producing here in FC Dallas. And it's was really, uh, I knew about the, the, the academy, uh, the F FC Dallas Academy and how we were, we were developing so, so many good players, but just being, watching it and uh, seeing uh, the players that we have here uh, already in the first team, some players that we have in the second team and, and the others are still in the academy. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, the, the quality of the work that this is, has been uh, in the past, uh, since 2008, uh, this is when and when the academy started uh, working here, and uh, and 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 it's been really really uh, incredible the the talents that we have. So for me, obviously, the first place that we want to look at when we needed to sign a new player is the our academy to see uh, who's coming for like if we need a goalkeeper, if we need a outside back. Uh, who do we have in our academy? Is is this player uh, is is he is he ready to play in the first team, or he, or should we uh, sign him for the second team? Uh, and, and and so uh, it's it's I, I know not every club in in the MLS uh, has this uh, advantage like we have with the, such a strong academy and being able to find uh, so many good talents that could join our first team. Uh, and we're very proud of this. Uh, and this is in our, our DNA here. And we want to continue to have uh, 
more and more homegrown players reaching uh, FC Dallas. We want to make sure that this pathway from academy, second team to first team, we, we're going to, we want to make it stronger and stronger that players believe that it's, it's a very uh, good pathway for their careers. And they can just like Reggie Cannon, like uh, Brian Reynolds, like uh, Weston McKinney, uh, so many players that came through the system and are now playing it at the highest level. So after the first team, uh, they, they, they could even uh, be in Europe. So now we have Paxton, Jesus, Pepe, Tanner, uh, Edwin, uh, Dante, uh, Benny, so many players that uh, went through the system are now in, in our first team. And I could mention many others that we believe will, will reach that level. And that just makes us very excited to, to keep following and keep developing those guys and see them reaching the highest level in, in soccer in the U.S. Where does the talent level in North Texas stack up against California, Florida, the other places that, that we hear about? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, I'm not sure if I'm the right person to, to answer this of uh, the, Obviously, it's just my it's my third year here. I don't have the, the so much knowledge of uh, this other places, and we have the restrictions. The MLS established the homegrown territory that we cannot uh, scout everywhere. We there's we have to respect the the homegrown territory of, of each MLS team. But from here, with uh, all the proximity with uh, with Mexico, with the Latin a lot of Latin community, the I feel the soccer culture in texas especially in north texas is is really strong so uh you go here in, the, in every afternoon if you drive around um every city around dallas you see so many uh, soccer fields full of kids playing and uh and this will be this is this is the future of soccer here the play, this this or either they will play they will consume soccer they will watch more and so uh i think we we, we are in a very good position in the place that we have as i mentioned before we have a, an advantage towards other other uh mls teams that this this area here we can we can really find uh, uh good talents and uh, and every year we just uh, uh recently released also a, a, a there was an article about a player that he came to our open trials for the second team and uh, he's not from here, but he was playing in Abilene and, uh, and, and it was amazing, like how talented he is. And now he signed with our second team and, and uh, it's another example that what, what we can find here. FC Dallas, are, you know, you're terrific partners with the Sports Commission and, and, and Monica's work to bring uh, the World Cup here to, to Dallas-Fort Worth in, in 2026. What would that mean uh, to soccer here in North Texas? Oh, I think it's uh, the World Cup, having the World Cup uh, for, for, for any country or any area just uh, brings uh, so many things, so many positive things for, for the game. Uh, so in terms of infrastructure, in, in terms of uh, media attention, uh, uh, the just you have, uh, I, I know, I, well, in 2014, the World Cup was in Brazil and I was, I, I know how the investment in, in, in having more fields, more quality training grounds, 
and uh, and this generates uh, uh, more attention to the game of soccer, and uh, and I think uh, as we were just talking about the, the in my last answer, how the how the, the how important this area is for to find talents, and I think when you have a World Cup here, it it will even increase how uh, uh, the 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 I would say the desire of, of of young kids to play more the game and to be interested if if we have so many players here that they say in at some point in high school and they were playing basketball they were playing baseball they were playing soccer and uh, so I think other kids that uh, might th be thinking oh I think the World Cup even it, it brings this like such a amazing events that having this in, 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 in the Dallas area would be gigantic for, for, for the game and for the growth of soccer even more here in, in, in North Texas. Well, Andre, you're getting me all excited here because I talk about World Cup a, a lot every day. It's top of mind for us. Uh, we're really pushing hard and I really think uh, uh, everyone at FC Dallas for our partnership, uh, we definitely wouldn't be in this position without uh, the Hunt family and Toyota Stadium and FC Dallas. So I, I really appreciate that. Uh, you hit on some key points for our for our bid, and uh, I, I think there's great opportunity for 2026. I think there's an opportunity to leave a, a lasting legacy. Um, you know, 1994 left uh, the MLS was kind of the major legacy. Uh, you talked about different fields and opportunities and the growth on the youth aspect here. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, we're, we're short on are our soccer fields here in the DFW area based on the number of kids that, that want to get out there and play. So hopefully we can make some uh, uh, long roads uh, through 2026 and hosting the World Cup. But I've got one last uh, question uh, to, to leave you with or before we leave you. And uh, it's, you know, kind of been top one of the top uh, topics in the, in the soccer world. Um, Talk a little bit about the attempt uh, and the news coming out of uh, Europe on the Super League and, you know, what impact that might have on the MLS here in the United States. Uh, yes, that was, uh, that was some, <laughs> uh, that was, that was shocking for, for, for the market. Uh, I don't know who expected that. It's just, uh, I think, I think it was, uh, well, uh, you heard so, yeah. I heard so many different versions in the last couple of days of all this and people who were involved and saying that they planned this for, for a long time. And then, but, uh, for me, it was just, uh, uh, in the end was, was kind of, uh, disappointing the way it was handled. Uh, I think, uh, obviously, uh, the, those clubs, they didn't expect such a negative, uh, impact. Uh, from from fans, from from stakeholders everywhere, uh, and uh, uh, I think I think in in, in well, uh, first of all, I, I don't think it's going uh, it's going uh, anywhere at least at this point. Um, obviously, those twelve clubs, especially, they wanted to make a point, a strong point about some changes they want to make in in European uh, football. European soccer is about in terms of uh, how how much more money they can make, uh, but again, uh, there are so many more things that you need to think about when when you want to change so much the structure of uh, European football and and creating uh, a, a league that will 
will certainly cause impact uh, in, immediately on on the other teams that are that are part of their 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 leagues and and who are competing for 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 European competitions. So I think and this this force friction, let's say, uh, just in 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 soccer everywhere in the world. So. Uh, I'm glad it didn't it didn't move forward right now. I think it's something that, especially like FIFA, UEFA, they need to communicate more, and and and, and they would have to to discuss more with with uh, with them before uh, making such a strong decision like this, and uh, and 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 discuss the impact everywhere else. So uh, I think I'm happy that it didn't move forward uh, right now, and uh, but. Uh, I also think that all those those main points that they are they 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 wanna they wanna uh, improve in, in in soccer. I think always is good to debate and see what what it has to be made. So, uh, but for now, uh, let's let's keep the way it is. I think it's important that some uh, the the tradition that we have with uh, those those European competitions. It's uh, I'm, I'm I just feel. That was not the right thing to do at this moment. Well, Andre, I just want to thank you for, for joining us. Uh, I want to give a, a shout out or a request to all uh, soccer fans and FC Dallas fans. Let's get out and support the team this year uh, as uh, we see how they progress. And then obviously uh, support our World Cup bid as well. Thank you very much uh, again for having me in the show. And uh, it's always always good to, to talk about soccer, especially here in in Texas, FC Dallas, and as you said, uh, just to encourage our fans to come to the stadium, uh, we 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 believe we can we can do well uh, this season, especially with the support of our fans. Uh, we we feel more confident of uh, reaching higher goals this season. So thank you very much, and uh, and and hope to see you all uh, sometime soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, let's hear one more time from Rachel. Looking to get out of the house in a safe way? Try having a relaxing weekend at the spa or a fun family staycation for spring break. The Omni Dallas Hotel is right in the heart of downtown, within walking distance to some of the area's best restaurants and unique shopping. The Uptown Terrace Infinity Pool is a family-friendly retreat during the day and a great place to watch a romantic sunset over the Dallas skyline at night. Go to omnihotels.com Dallas for the best offers and plan your post-quarantine staycation today. Because why? Big wins happen here. Thanks, Rachel. And now welcome to Matt DeFranks, Dallas Stars beat writer for the Morning News. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. Before we get started, you went to Notre Dame, which means that you and Tony Fay have to uh, have to talk about that at, at, at some point soon, your allegiance to the Fighting Irish and what, what to look for uh, next season there. I know you also covered college football in one of your past stops. You've covered Major League Baseball. But uh, you've been on the NHL beat f for a while. What do you what do you see? The Stars are in a dogfight now with Nashville to get into the playoffs. The, the the top four teams in each division get in. That's the format this year in this unusual 56 game NHL season. What do you what do you what should we be looking for the rest of the way? And what do you think? The, the Stars have been red hot of late uh, with a nice homestand. What what do we look for now that now that uh, we're really getting down to the to the uh, stretch run? Yeah, I think if you're a Stars fan, you'd like to see that just keep continuing. A lot of it's probably due to the schedule that they have, playing against Columbus and playing against Detroit, two of the uh, the bottom teams in the Central Division. But 
they have played well. They have a season high four game win streak right now. Uh, they're playing with confidence. They're scoring some really skilled goals and they're getting good goaltending. So it seems like things are starting to round into form for them at the, at the right time to make a playoff push. And uh, that's something that really, we really haven't seen much this year. They've been kind of one game good, one game bad, uh, up and down, losing overtime every now and then. And uh, it's just been kind of kind of an up and down season for them that kind of ends in the middle. And right now they're kind of making a push to make the playoffs. And who knows when they get Tyler Sagan back next week, perhaps uh, maybe that will make a big difference for a playoff series against Carolina, Tampa, or Florida. We know in the NHL more than the other leagues, the unpredictable and unexpected happens in the Stanley cup playoffs. So just get in is everybody's uh, mission at this point of the season. And then you never know what could happen as we saw Last year, the Stars rode it all the way to the conference finals. Jason Robertson has been uh, an incredible bright spot lately. You know, it was sort of a foregone conclusion that Kapril, Kapril, Kaprizov was the front runner for the Calder Trophy. You think Robertson has made enough of a late push here to get in that conversation? Absolutely. Uh, I think he's squarely in the conversation. Uh, I think he's starting to get more acclaim nationally which is something that you don't really see a ton of out of a market like Dallas and hockey. Let's uh, you look at two years ago with Miro Haskin and uh, he wasn't even a finalist for, for the Calder trophy. And he's probably playing better that year than Robertson is this year. So I think now that Robertson is putting up some more points, he's catching up to Kaprizov in the scoring race. You're starting to see some of that national attention to or international attention, I guess, too, for, from Canada uh, attention to Robertson in the Calder trophy race. And, that's really what he needs more of. He needs more attention because he's been doing this on the ice for almost two months now. Uh, since since March 1, he's been really, really good for the Stars. Uh, he's been playing a top six role and really scoring pretty much every game. You look at the box score every game he has, he's done something, either scored or assisted uh, on a goal. And it's been really fun to watch him do that uh, as a rookie this year. Well, Matt, this is the point in the program where we ask what you've been downloading. What are you streaming lately? Uh, you got to kind of open up the, the laptop or your, or your phone or your iPad and let us know what's on your, uh, on your streaming list these days. Yeah, it's, it's actually a few different things. I think you got to have like a little bit of a rotation uh, of what you're watching, right? And so current shows, you know, I got a couple of uh, reality TV shows that I watch. One's Top Chef on Bravo. Uh, really enjoyed the solid cooking show because uh, I, I like to envision myself as a cook in a future life. And that's just, that's just not, that's not who I am. Uh, but I do enjoy watching Top Chef. And then uh, the challenge on MTV is a, it's a classic uh, reality TV show um, that is, uh, is entertaining, at least, <laughs> you know, to me, at least. Um, and kind of watching a little bit of Modern Family. Um, you know, I, was watching the early seasons, you know, a few years ago, but didn't really appreciate its uh, its true comedy uh, gold. Really, like it's it's just so quick and and witty, and uh, things happen so fast in the show, and it all ties together. It's such a great great show. Um, so those are like the three things I've really been watching recently. You know, my wife Joe and I binge the last two seasons of Modern Family. We during the pandemic, we were big fans, but sort of had become lapsed Modern Family fans the last couple of years, and went back to watch uh, the Big Finish, and, and we're not disappointed. Uh, what a fantastic show! And I understand you've recently gotten engaged, so Top Chef, you got to pick up your game. You're not going to be a bachelor anymore, 
right? So, so maybe some of the pointers that you're learning at Top Chef will come in handy in your, in your, in your life away from the rink, so to speak. Yes. I'm not like lost in the kitchen, you know, but the things they do on Top Chef are <laughs> like, these are James Beard award winners. You know, like I, I can handle a decent, uh, decent recipe and kind of work my way around the, the kitchen here at home. Uh, but what they do is amazing. I, I enjoy watching them a lot. Well, all of us here on the mic drop, you know, we await Monica's download e- each week. It's always something interesting, sometimes a little offbeat. Monica, what do you have for us this week? Well, uh, actually, it seems like Matt and I need to spend some time together because, um, I, you know, somewhere along the way in my life, I, I didn't learn to cook uh, very well. I, I try, but uh, so cooking is something that I, I'm, I'm trying to get a little better at. So Epicurious, Tasty Apps, uh, Cooking uh, Lessons, something like that. I, I, I couldn't even begin to, to, to make what they do on Top Chef, uh, and I'm not comfortable in the kitchen. So I'm uh, trying this new uh, Mediterranean diet, and uh, there, there's some recipes there that are giving me a little bit of a challenge uh, in the kitchen. So trying to work on my cooking skills this week. Well, that's uh, that. That's a good one, and I could I could use a little of that too. Uh, you know, mine this week comes uh, as a recommendation. My son Terry is the most solid lead pipe cinch of recommendations, books, podcasts, you name it. He reminded me the other day about a new show on HBO called Mayor of Easttown. This stars Kate Winslet as a as a sort of a small town beleaguered detective uh, in a town outside Philadelphia. The sports angle is that she was the star of the state championship winning high school girls basketball team 25 years prior. And the first episode includes a reunion of the of, of that of that team. So there's a definite sports angle here. The thing that I, that always I always notice is these British actors, Damian Lewis and Billions at Homeland comes to mind, Dominic West from from The Wire and so many others with the American accent you know we don't see americans go do do british too often i know it has happened but here again you have kate winslet masterfully delivering the philadelphia accent and mayor of east town catch it on hbo max i i highly uh recommend it uh so i don't know matt if you if you ever like the the crime stuff you mentioned you know reality uh but that's a good it's not true crime but it's a good police uh show for you to check out Mayor of Easttown on HBO. Yeah, well, The Wire is probably my favorite show of all time. It's, yeah, it's I'm, 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 so who, who's your favorite character from, from The Wire? I, I think a lot of people say Omar, but I, I really do like McNulty. Uh, he just brings a lot of different aspects to the show uh, between comedy, uh, him and Bunk, their interplay there, and obviously his detective work. I, I think he's very... Uh, very versatile and as you mentioned like I, I it took me a long time to realize that Dominic West wasn't uh, American and that when he put on the the, the Baltimore accent uh, it's it's pretty pretty amazing I think well well I'm right there with you and for my money Marlo Stansfield that character played by Jamie Hector is one of the scariest bad guys in television history and of course now Jamie Hector has hopped to the other side playing a detective on the series Bosch so uh, he's he, he has worked on both sides of, of, uh, of law enforcement. Well, well, Matt, thank you for joining us today. Thanks to Nancy Lieberman and Andre Zanotto. Another great show. Number 10. We actually made it to 10, unbelievably. Thanks to the Mic Drop crew, uh, Krista Melia, 
Marcus Carr, my co-host, Monica Paul, and the great Tony Fay, our showrunner. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>